Good morning. Today's scripture reading will be from Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. It's Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in his righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Good morning. It's wonderful to see everyone here today. We miss a Several of our ladies who are up at Oak Glen at the conference center enjoying the retreat and haven't heard a whole lot from them, in other words, my wife, uh, because uh, I think they're having such a wonderful time. She doesn't have time. That's what I'm going to tell myself anyway. Reception must be bad, right? That must be what it is. But uh, I've heard some good things about uh, just already what they've, what they've experienced this weekend, and we pray for them as they come uh, as they come home this afternoon and thank God for the, the time they've had. And, and just uh, to say on behalf of uh, uh, a group of women who've been in, a part of this ministry for years uh, and have continued to plan uh, this retreat, there are over 50 ladies from Sisters in Christ from I think about a dozen different congregations. Um, and uh, it's, this retreat is just a real blessing to many individuals as well as many congregations. And we're, just, we're grateful to be a, a part of it and be able to support that great work. Also, we're so thankful that our brother Rick is home. Praise be to God for that. It's just like the most wonderful blessing that we've all appreciated. And none more than those, uh, the Coles over here, we just, uh, we're so thankful uh, that Rick's surgery went well and that he's recuperating. And we give God the glory for that. And I thank Alan for praying for Curtis and ask all of you to, so a lot of you know Curtis and Linda, and just pl- please be praying for him as he undergoes a surgery tomorrow, and we uh, know God will care for him and whatever the future holds for uh, for Curtis. I didn't realize that I was going to be taking off from Earl's announcement earlier, but you know, Americans have a lot of stuff. That's really where I was. I had no idea that when I was planning the sermon, we'd have a dumpster in front of the church building. We have a lot of stuff, and I don't know how it is in your neighborhood, but when the garage doors are up in my neighborhood, that's what they look like. Everybody's got their garages full of stuff. I had the strangest experience the other day. I walked by a neighbor's house and their car was in the garage. I, it's like, wow, that is something so novel because we just get stuff. And our, our houses can't hold it, so we put it in the garage. And then the garages can't hold it. So people get storage units and we fill up storage units. And I, I just think of how much stuff we have. And, you know, there are people who make a living off of all this stuff. Well, the people who have who rent out storage units, for one. And then there's all the folks at the swap meet that we see. I go to the swap meet a lot, and some of the folks who are there every week are selling other people's stuff out of their out of their storage closets and so forth and their, the, the uh, facilities that have given over the stuff because they couldn't afford to pay the rent on their stuff anymore. And I, I've wondered sometimes when people are buying at the swap meet and they're buying something from someone's storage place, I've just wondered if, if maybe that person had got it at the swap meet. I wonder sometimes how many things at the swap meet have gone through that cycle maybe three or four times, but we have a lot of stuff. 
There are TV programs about it. American Pickers goes into these people's places that have all kinds of things. And then, I don't want to get into the hoarders, that's just a whole different category. But into the midst of all this chaos with all this stuff in the world comes Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo is a 35-year-old Japanese organizing consultant. Her best-selling book, Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, has been translated into dozens of languages and has sold millions and millions of copies. Her Netflix program, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, was nominated for an Emmy. And this woman will come into your home and show you how to get rid of your stuff, how to organize your stuff, how to fold your stuff, and, and how to look at something and decide, hmm, does this spark joy anymore in my life? And if it doesn't spark joy, then you say, thank you very much for being in my life, but I don't need you anymore. And off it goes to be given away or to be thrown away. And you may make fun of Marie Kondo while she's making millions of dollars on all of us. But I'll tell you what, I didn't have to read that she was Time Magazine's one of the 100 most influential people in the world because when my granddaughter saw a program of tidying up on Netflix, she got up from that program. And if you knew my granddaughter, you'd understand what's just about to happen here. She ran into her bedroom and she began sorting her things and began refolding all of her clothes in her chest of drawers. And that is not what she's typically inclined to do. You know, it's nice to fix up your garage if it's kind of full of junk. But there's another kind of chaos in our world that's really dangerous in our lives, and that's the spiritual chaos that so many people experience because they fail to have a connection with the ordering power of God. There's so much chaos in our world because of sin, because of rebellion against God, because of the work of Satan. And this is the kind of chaos that we need to find order and life from. It's, it's one thing to take care of, of, of the, the clutter in your life, but it is essential for us to get our spiritual lives in order. And it seems to me that when we look into the Scriptures, more often than not, we find the Holy Spirit at work in bringing order out of chaos. And it starts in the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. When you read that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, there's just this sense of anticipation. The Holy Spirit is not hovering over the waters for nothing. Something is about to happen. Some power is about to be unleashed. Something is going to happen to this dark, formless void. And the very next words of Scripture is the spoken word of God. And light and darkness are separated. And water from the land and dry land appear. And the ordering power of God comes upon this creation to create a world of perfection and design and order out of the chaos of the world. And the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture has this creative, life-giving, organizing, ordering sort of, uh, of work to do. In Psalm 104, verse 30, when you send out your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. 
The Spirit of God creates. The Spirit of God renews. The Spirit of God brings order into a chaotic situation to bring things into the kind of order and harmony and peace that God longs for them to have. We see this in a profound way in the coming of Jesus to this earth. In his baptism, in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, as Jesus is is coming up out of the waters in the Jordan River, we read, And the Spirit of God descended from heaven in a bodily form upon him. The Spirit of God, in a bodily form, comes down and descends upon Jesus Christ himself. It's as if... The Spirit of God is there hovering over the waters. And when we read that the Spirit of God is coming upon Jesus at His baptism, we have that same sense of anticipation. Something's about to happen. Something is going to happen. The Spirit of God has literally descended in a bodily form that can be seen onto Jesus Himself. And we know something is about to happen. God is going to be at work. God is going to be unleashing His power, His life, His creativity, His ordering presence upon, upon this world through the ministry of His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's just a few verses later, just a half a page over in our Bible, in Luke chapter 4, when we find Jesus standing up in front of the synagogue in, in His hometown village of Nazareth, reading from the prophet Isaiah, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, And as Jesus reads these prophetic words about the Messiah, he will tell his hometown, this is happening now. This is me. This is who I am. This is what I am doing. And here, essentially, is Jesus' mission statement. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus says, I've been anointed by the Spirit of God, and we've seen that in chapter 3. I have been anointed by the Spirit of God to carry out this mission, to preach good news, to proclaim freedom, recovery of sight, to release people, and notice who will be benefiting from this mission and ministry of Jesus, the poor, the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed. What is this statement all about? What are these words of Isaiah all about? Jesus enters into this world as the Messiah to bring order, to bring life, to bring hope to people who are hurting, who are confused, who are overwhelmed with guilt, who don't have any sense of a future. Jesus is coming down to release people from the bondage to sin, to to give people the life that they need. This is the work that the Spirit of God is unleashing through the ministry of Jesus. And we see it happening, don't we? When we read through the Gospels, What do we find? But Jesus going into someone's life, often in a very chaotic situation, sometimes very obviously so, and if they will listen to Jesus, there is an ordering that becomes available and takes over in their life. I think of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. This woman has been married five times and she's living with somebody that she's not married to. This is a woman who has a series of broken relationships, who has essentially been a failure in her personal life. And here she is in the middle of the day coming out to the well to get water. 
she not only meets the Messiah and comes to understand that Jesus is in fact the Messiah, but Jesus offers her living water. In John chapter 7, Jesus will be a little bit more specific about that water as the presence of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit in a person's life who will come to believe in Him and will receive the Spirit of God. Living water. I think of the people that Jesus meets in His ministry. The, the, the man who is possessed with so many demons that the name of the demon is Legion, the demon speak, because there are so many of them. And this person is just... You talk about a life in chaos. A man whose clothes are stripped off and he breaks chains and he lives in the tombs. And Jesus comes. And the town is shocked later when they come and see this man because he's clothed and completely in his right mind. He is a completely different person. This is the work that Jesus comes to do. And sometimes it's seen in very spectacular ways like that. Sometimes it's like in the life of a man like Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, who's on the court of the Sanhedrin, who probably has some very mixed up and confused ideas about what it means for a Messiah to come, and who is really struggling to understand who Jesus is, but he comes to Jesus at night, and what does Jesus tell Nicodemus? You've got to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Nicodemus, there's a way forward for you, but it's rebirth. It's something new. It's a new creation that you've got to become a part of. And then among Jesus' own apostles we see it. Simon the Zealot. Here is a guy who's looking for some kind of solution to the problems of his world through military action. If we can just kill enough Romans, a zealot who is against the Roman Empire, who's, who's got this political bent to his life, who's looking for some sort of, of resolution to that, and it's not working. And then you have James and John who think if they could just get into positions of power and wield power, maybe that would give them what they want. And Matthew, the, the tax collector, who's gotten all the money he wants, but still finds that there's something missing. These people, these disciples of Jesus, have varying degrees of chaos in their own lives. And what will happen through their association with Jesus? Well, Jesus tells them during His ministry that they, when the Spirit comes, He will lead them into all truth. And of course, the Spirit will do that as He comes upon them on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And these men find an order and a peace, and a life, and meaning, and purpose in Christ, and through Him, and through the working of the Spirit in them, so that all of these competing concerns that they had will be shown to be empty, and really without meaning, in comparison to what it means to find life, and order, and peace with God, through the saving work of Jesus and the outpouring of His Holy Spirit. And it's not just them. It's not just for them that this happens. It's for all of us. All of us. In Christ and through the power of the Spirit of God, we come into a life that is new. In Titus chapter 3, read a couple of minutes ago, in verse 3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That sounds rather chaotic to me. That sounds like a life that's out of balance, a life that has lost its way because it is not a life that's being lived under the Lordship of Christ or under 
the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that's what we were. All of us, our lives were in chaos to varying degrees, but things were not right in our lives. Not until God acts. Not until salvation is offered to us. And then in the very next verse, Paul says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Our lives were in chaos. Before Christ, people's lives are in chaos, and yet God will justify us, make us right by His grace. And and Paul points specifically here, a a lot going on in this passage, but I draw your attention to the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. How does this new life come about? It comes about by the grace of God, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But then finally, that new life comes to us through the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit is a reference to our baptism into Christ. When we have been washed, and and not regenerated by the waters, but by the Holy Spirit. When we die with Christ and are raised with Him to newness of life and the Spirit of God, Paul says here in Titus 3, is poured into our lives so that we are reborn. This is the new birth. This is the new creation. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He creates. He gives life. And this is the new creation in Christ Jesus. The spiritual creation that we take part of. In our baptism, it's as if the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. And and we know something is about to happen. When we are baptized into Christ by faith in Him, trusting in His sacrifice, we recognize God's about to act. The Spirit is there, and by faith in the Word of God and in His promises, we believe that the Holy Spirit Himself regenerates us, we who were dead in our sins, and gives us new life. And not only does the Spirit introduce us into this new creation, but He continues to work to bring order into our lives as He bears His fruit in us. Tim started us out this morning in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 where we read about the Spirit's desire to transform us, to sanctify us, to make us holy, to make us like Jesus. It starts out, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. It sounds chaotic, doesn't it? This is the life of the flesh. When you live apart from faith in God and the Spirit of God, there is chaos in life. That's just the nature of it, because there is no power of God living within us. And yet, Paul goes on to tell us what the Holy Spirit will bring to that situation. The fruit of the Spirit, he says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This morning our brother prayed that we could put out of our minds the chaos of this world. Our world is a chaotic place. There is so much strife. There is so much jealousy. There is so much sin. There is so much pride and arrogance. 
And I listen to these words of Paul. The chaos of idolatry and enmity and strife and jealousy and anger. And then he speaks of the Holy Spirit, joy, love, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, goodness. You see the contrast. This is what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives. To stamp the image of Christ on us. And so today... Let me just ask, what is the Spirit of God doing in your life? What is the Spirit of God doing in your life? How are you growing? How are you maturing? How are you becoming more like Jesus than you were a year ago? We all ought to be able to look at our lives right now, if they're yielded to God and His will, and see how over the last years, the last months, the Holy Spirit has been at work in us as we yield to to God's Word to change us, to make us more what we need to be, more like our Lord Jesus. But a question I would ask along with that is what is the Holy Spirit longing to do in my life now, today? Look at your life. Is there some spot in your life, some place, some little maybe spot off to the side where there's a little bit of chaos, where things aren't right and you know they're not right? And you know, whenever there's some kind of chaos going on in our lives, I'm not talking about difficulties and trials. I'm talking about something that's just chaotic, that's not right. That's not, it's because it's not under the control of God. It's because in some way I'm not living right, and, and there's chaos there because that part of my life has not come under the control of God. What is it? Is there anything in your life right now where the Spirit would teach you something, would lead you in some way? Is there something you need to learn? Is it humility? Right now, are you just dealing with maybe a time in your life where you're just feeling pretty proud of yourself? Or you, you look at yourself and your needs above the needs of others and you, you find yourself just really being selfish? Or is maybe a lack of patience? The last month or so I've noticed in myself um, something I've really been upset about and that is a lack of patience and speaking sharply and quickly um, to the point that I've, I've had to apologize and should have on many occasions and I, if I've done it to you and haven't apologized I, I apologize because I don't know what it is, but there's a certain kind of stress in my life right now. And you know there's bad stress and there's good stress. A lot of the stress in my life right now is, is good stress. What I mean is it's coming from things that are, that are good or blessings, and yet it's still stressful. There's still a lot of the unknown. There's still things to do. And I find I get to like right here and I'm fine, and then one little thing happens. The tiniest little thing. The, it's so insignificant. But it's like, you know, the, the water is up there and the cup is totally full and you've even got surface tension going on where maybe the water's above the lip of the cup a bit, but one more drop and it's, it's going to spill over. And I felt that way about the last month. And it's brought chaos into my life because of the way it's caused me to talk to people, because feelings that I've hurt, And because I know that there's a part of my life right there 
that isn't under the control of God. And, and on top of that, then, I, I almost feel a sense of guilt because I shouldn't be this way. And, and, and I, I, I'm just saying, I'd like to get you to think about, is there any little thing in your life right now where there's some form of chaos that's happening because there's some part of you? Maybe it's just one thing. Maybe it's something small or it appears to be small. Maybe you haven't been able to let go of something and you're holding on to a grudge. Maybe you're holding on a, a grudge against me because I snapped at you. And you need to, you know, just, I hope that's not the case, but that was an attempt at humor, but a very poor attempt, obviously. Um, but sometimes we hold on to grudges and we don't let go. If you're holding on to something from, from the past, something that you, you, you've got chaos in your heart. You know. You know what it's like to hold on to something. Things aren't right in your heart and you know they're not right in your heart. And the Spirit of God would convict you and me of such a thing. Is it because maybe you've gotten so busy lately, you are just so busy and so much is going on in your life that you haven't given time to your relationship with God. Your prayer life, your study time, your devotional time, your meditation, they've just gotten pushed to the side because there's so much you have to do. And you find yourself moving away from God, somehow distant from God. That will bring a form of chaos into your life and a lack of power and strength and focus. And if that, I know when that happens in my life, I feel it. It's there. It's palpable. You can tell. Maybe a grumbling spirit... Maybe you're just holding on to something and complaining about it and grumbling about it. And if you're a grumbler, you experience chaos as you grumble. And you spread chaos to those who sometimes may be forced to hear it. Or maybe it's just you've gotten apathetic. You've lost your first love and your commitment and your, your life of service and ministry has, is just not what it used to be. It may be a sin. It may be some sin that you just holding on to right now that you won't let go of. It could be a, a sin of the flesh, some desire, some lust that you're just... And if you have that, it's, it's creating chaos in your life. Or if it's talking too much or gossiping about someone, it creates chaos. And you know that when we, when we really stop and think about our lives and, and in the course of our lives, we can see these things. God shows them to us if we're asking Him to reveal those things to us. Maybe... You're just not having the kind of love that you should have for others. You know, we live in a time where it just seems to be fine to hate people and to be angry at people and to go off on people. That's certainly not what the fruit of the Spirit would lead us to do. And sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves not being very loving toward people. Sometimes people we don't even know but because they fit in a certain category or we have a fear about them or some uncertainty about them. We live in a time where there's so much chaos in our world. We've got to be aware of how that chaos can impact us and not get caught up in the kinds of things that we see going on in the world. And if there's something such as this going on in your life, and I can't imagine that, that, that any of us can sit here today and say, oh no, uh, there's nothing. There's nothing in my life that needs to be given over. Well, if there's not, then God bless you for, at this moment, if that's, if that's true. And bless you for your maturity. And please keep your eyes open because pride may be right around the corner. Uh, I'm not sure. But if, there, if you look at deeply at your heart and your life, you can probably find something. And the first thing is we've got to recognize that and be willing to submit to the work of God in our life. We've got to truly look deeply 
into our lives and then submit to the work of God. Because when it comes to this, it's so easy to resist the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen accuses the unbelieving Jews of resisting the Holy Spirit because they will not listen to what the Spirit has said through the prophets. We can resist the Spirit today. If the Spirit is trying to convict us of something, and maybe it's through a friend who's trying to warn us or encourage us or even point something out in our life, or maybe it's as we're reading the Word of God, we keep finding ourselves convicted about something that we're struggling with. But it's so easy for us to rationalize, to make excuses, to push it over to the side, to deny it, to resist what God wants to do in our lives. And if we resist the Holy Spirit... It will create more chaos in our lives. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by not giving over to His transforming power. And in Ephesians 4, it has to do with with being loving toward one another and not saying evil things to one another. And Paul says if if we don't submit our hearts to the Holy Spirit in this way, we grieve Him because He's working in us to bring about these changes in our lives. And He would have that change to occur. We can even quench the Spirit. We can put out His fire. That, that enthusiasm, that zeal for the Lord that would serve God, that would be obedient. We can pour water on that fire and quench the work of the Spirit in our life, according to Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. But how often we may sense the work of God in our lives. That prodding that guiding, that conviction that takes place. That moment where we realize that we said something to someone we shouldn't have said or we did something we shouldn't have done. That moment of recognition when we can truly give ourselves over to the work of the Spirit because He opens up a way for us. But if we don't, if we refuse Him, the chaos only grows. Let me encourage us today, first of all, as we reflect on our own lives, to pray for God to reveal to us in our own hearts that area of our life that we have not given to Him. Some area where we're not trusting Him or some sin that we will not give up, something. I think of Psalm 139 where David says, Search me, O God, know my heart. You know, like, God, look into me. Please. It's not as if God isn't already doing that, but what David is praying for is, God, expose it to me. Help me to see this. And I, I think we all know from experience, if we ask God to search our hearts and to make it known to us that area in our heart where we need to change, where we need to submit to Him, He does make us know. He helps us to see. If we truly want to see, He will reveal it. He may reveal it as you're reading the Word of God. He may reveal it through a friend in Christ who speaks to you maybe about your own life or about a concern that they have. But He he will do that. And as we submit our lives to God's working, it's so important that we be devoted to His Word. That we be devoted to our relationship with God, to the study of the Word the true study of the Word, to plant it in our hearts, to to know the heart and mind of God. I'm not just talking about reading through a chapter, but truly reading the Word of God to come to know God and His will and to allow His will 
to impact our lives. This working of the Holy Spirit doesn't happen in a vacuum, does it? He doesn't just come down equally upon every person and and do this revealing work. So much of it is dependent upon whether or not we're willing and devoted to the Word of God, to know the heart and mind of God so that the Spirit can be at work in us. And if we neglect this most important of spiritual disciplines, the Holy Spirit is not going to be able to lead us because we don't even know what His Word says. We don't know what it is in His Word that He would have us apply to our lives. So we ask God to, to open up our understanding of ourselves to some area in our life and then we look to God's Word and we, we devote ourselves to that Word and to our life of prayer and to our relationship with God so that this work can take place. And then we yield. We yield to His convicting power. I don't like to use myself as an example, although I do it a lot, but it's usually because it's an example of failure. Because I can brag about how, yeah, the Lord convicted me, but yeah, the Lord convicted me after about a month of uh, being snappy with people. I was a little slow on the uptake, but you know, once the Lord convicts you of it, and you're aware of it, then you're in a position to yield to God and allow Him to do something to change it, to change your, your heart, to change your perspective, to be at work in you. And then to obey Him, to do, what he, to do what He says. And then to make yourself accountable. I, I, I'm such a believer in accountability. And I thank God for my wife, who has unfortunately been placed in the position of being my accountability partner for so many years, and a lot falls to her in that regard, because I've asked her, I asked her, when you see me doing that, when, when I, because let's face it, when you, lose, when you lose it just a little bit and you're tending to snap, who do you tend to snap at first? Probably the people that you're the closest to. Probably the people, for me, like my wife, my co-workers, my brother elders. That's probably who's going to get it first because I'm comfortable with them and I love them. And, but, and yet, even that being the case, that's where those kinds of things come out. Well, I've now made myself accountable to all of you, so I've I've increased that. But you know, the amazing thing about accountability is we try to hide things. We try to hide our imperfections and our sins. And what happens? Well, they just get worse and we just deny them and move back and distance ourselves from them. But when you get it out there on the table and you just own it and get it out there, not owning it like I'm going to keep it, but own it, I want to change this, and you let believers know who are part of your life, those believers help you. Those believers are there to say, hey, you know, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've said to my wife, okay, here's the key word. When I do this, say that word. If we're in public, I'll know what I've just done. It's, it's so good to have people who, are, who care for you, who will watch your back, who will help you when you truly want to give yourself over to the working of God in your life. And it's just the funniest thing. It's not funny. It's, it's frightening in a way. Because Satan says, no, 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 hide all that stuff. Don't let anybody know what you're struggling with. Just let everybody know how good you are, how strong you are. 
And it's just amazing how Jesus says just the opposite and the Scriptures say just the opposite. Anything good about it, just keep yourself. Don't go talking about all the good things. No, no. But confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And it's just amazing when we do that, how God provides strength. And God provides a way out. And, and the Holy Spirit has His way. And we simply yield to Him. Praise God today for the Holy Spirit who has given us new life in Christ Jesus our Lord, who has brought about regeneration from the chaos of spiritual death. Praise God for the Spirit of God who works in us to convict us, to mold us, to shape us, to bear His fruit in us as we yield to Him, as we listen to His Word, as we commit our lives to be obedient to His Word, as we depend upon one another, as we ask Him to be at work in us. Brothers and sisters, let us not resist or quench or grieve the Spirit. But let us walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. That God may create order and peace and meaning and hope within us. Because the way of sin is a way of chaos. Even in small pieces. It's something that we want from away from our lives. And if you're not a Christian today, if you've not really made a commitment to follow Christ as Lord... The Spirit of God has revealed everything here. This is His work. And if you know enough about this revelation to know who Jesus is, that He's the Son of God, to know that salvation is through Him and His sacrifice on the cross, and you're convicted in your own heart that He is the Son of God, and you will submit to His Lordship, and you're ready to turn from sin in your life, then in faith, come. Undergo a washing of regeneration. A washing in which the Holy Spirit will give you new life as you submit to the Word of God. Be born again. Be filled with the Spirit. Have your sins forgiven. Turn from the chaos that you experience and come into the order and the peace and the fulfillment of knowing Christ as Lord. If there's anything in your life that needs his care today, bring him your life as it is. If it's broken, if it's hurt, if it's chaotic, bring your life to him. And he will bring you the peace and the order and the life that you so long for. Let's stand together and sing.